0: just think about the redemption of mankind. God knows the heart's the problem. Jesus says it's not what goes into the mouth of man, right? But what comes out of his heart. You know, murder, adultery, all of that. Um, God knows the heart's the problem. Do you you think that he would neglect to address the deep issues of the heart in his intentions to produce a genuinely holy race of people? You can't. You can't neglect the heart if you want genuine holiness. You're listening to Restoring the Soul with Michael John Cusick.
1: Hello and welcome to the program. You're listening to Restoring the Soul. I'm Michael John Cusick. In this two-part series, I know you're going to be encouraged and hopefully a wee bit stretched by today's conversation. We're in two separate episodes. I speak with John Eldridge and Craig McConnell of Ransomed Heart Ministries. John Eldridge, of course, is the best-selling author of books like Wild at Heart, Beautiful Outlaw, and Moving Mountains. Craig McConnell was a co-author with John on a number of projects, A Sage a warrior for the hearts of men, and a passionate seeker of God. Presenting this podcast is bittersweet for me. You see, this interview took place in Colorado Springs during the spring of 2010. At that time, Craig McConnell was only a year into what would become a seven-year battle with leukemia. In recent weeks, Craig's cancer returned with a vengeance, and on Monday, August 1st, he entered into the presence of God, finally seeing Jesus face-to-face for all of eternity. This news hit me hard. It hit many of us hard because losing Craig as a friend and ally has been a massive loss. Craig was a man who, even in his fight against cancer, was filled with life, as you will hear in our conversation. I didn't know Craig as well as others. He did several guest lectures in my classes at Denver Seminary, and we shared several meals together over the years. But there are two things I'll always remember about Craig. First, he was a man with profound presence. Physically, he stood at least six foot four, but his presence was more than height or stature. Instead, his presence conveyed a sense that he was fully engaged and attentive, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. The second thing I will remember about Craig is his ability to speak words of life to myself and others. The first time he spoke at Denver Seminary, I recall Craig speaking to students as they gathered around him after class, looking them right in the eye, and literally offering words that would bring students to tears because they felt so known and so seen. To me, personally, Craig would speak each and every time he saw me, Michael, the Father wants you to know that you have a good heart. I'm grateful to have known Craig McConnell this side of eternity, and I'm especially happy to be able to share this conversation with you in Craig McConnell's honor. John, you're known all over the world as the guy that wrote Wild at Heart, and yet what you do here at Ransomed Heart is so much bigger than that. What's the message of Ransomed Heart?
0: I think somewhere we even have a mission statement, though I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, But it goes like this, Michael. Um, We want to recover the treasure of the gospel. We want to see it restore the lives of men and women deeply, Mm. heal them as men and women, and then through that restoration and through the recovery of the gospel, teach them how to walk intimately with God. Hmm. That, that's, that's what we're about. And I think kind of our core expertise is we're heart surgeons. Hmm. We, we understand the human heart. God's given us uh, a training and a background and an ability to help people who are wounded, or captive or lost or shut down or, or, or frankly, deeply, profoundly broken at the level of the heart. We are passionate about seeing them restored. So we would kind of hail Isaiah 61 as one of our you know, core passages as a ministry, the Spirit of the Lord you know, upon us to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and to set the captive free. And and we would just simply add, that's all of us, hmm. <laughs> you know, that yeah. that's, you know, I, the, the, that's not like a select group of people, oh, the grieving, you know, oh, you know, those who have experienced, you know, childhood trauma or, you know, sort of a thing. I think
1: yeah. so brokenness is a uh, just a part of the human condition, no matter what family you grew up in, isn't it? Yeah.
0: I mean, have you met anyone that isn't at some level?
1: No. no. Craig, um, John talked about the the treasures of the gospel. W- what are we missing in the gospel as it's typically understood in the evangelical world? Oh, gosh.
2: Um, first things that just fire off to me is just even the whole concept of there being a larger story, that there's this, this huge epic story of a, a life and death battle over our hearts and that we play a you know, this large role in this unfolding drama of God going after and rescuing others. Uh, another quick thought is, is simply that the the gospel I knew and preached as a pastor for years, Michael, was uh, a gospel that was primarily simply forgiveness. Hmm. And as much as we need that, as grateful as we are for that, that the, the full work of Christ, uh, his resurrection, His delivering us from the works of the devil and evil, uh, the ascension, our having authority, um, just the death, resurrection, ascension of Christ. And and what that brings to us as people is is a huge part of that. That there's, you know, it's a gospel of there's much awaiting us in heaven, but there's much more now, significant healing, change, transformation in every area of our life. It's available now. It's not postponed, and we don't wait
1: for it all, though we wait for much. Much is available. So you're both uh, really talking about a gospel of restoration. Can you comment on that, John?
0: Yeah, deeply. I, th- I think if you look at all the miracles of Christ, um, most of them are illustrations of restoration, in that First off, the miracles are not random proofs that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, they're not just sort of thrown in there to uh, add credibility to his his person. They're illustrations for the sermon. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, he, Jesus is bringing a message to mankind, and then he's demonstrating it with power, uh, with dramatic. With dramatic effect, you know, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the leper is cleansed, the dead are raised. That, you know, in all of those scenarios, what you have is restoration. Wherever humanity is broken, Christ in the presence of Jesus Christ, his life, his kingdom, you know, what he's showing us is I want to restore you. I want I want you know body soul and spirit it's as Craig was saying it's not just a gospel of forgiveness and heaven later it is a is a gospel of when when you when the vine you know when you get plugged back into the vine you o branch who have no life in yourself apart from the vine she's is saying but man you plug back into me there is profound life that the life of God flows through us as human beings, and that life brings substantial restoration. You know, and and I use the word substantial because no, it's not all now. You know, we're not trying to uh, preach a gospel that it's all now. Obviously, much of it comes later, but there is so much more substantially that's available now that um, many good people live without.
1: Why do you think that we've lost this message as a central part of the gospel, the message that there's more available?
0: I I, I think um, – let, let me first describe all that has been lost because I, I it's really quite stunning. For example, you start with um, the kind of relationship that the disciples had with Jesus or the kind of relationship that Abraham had with God, that Joseph, David, Daniel – you know, there is a conversational intimacy mm-hmm. uh, that is available between God and his people that's meant to be normative for the Christian life. That's, um, that's been lost. Most, most Christians do not experience that. God is distant. He's respected. He's revered. But he isn't present much. A- and so we are left on our own to muddle through. Which is, which is really how most Christians experience their Christian life. It's that I'm forgiven, um, but, you know, but I'm mostly here to behave well, you know, choose a moral life, hmm. uh, which is a better life than an immoral life, but choose a moral life, serve Christ, share the gospel with others. Um, but the joys of intimacy with God are not common. Uh, that's not norm right now. Something else that's been lost um, is an understanding that um, evil is personal. It's real. There, there is a personal devil that that he has minions. Um, you know, and, and in Revelation, when it describes him being thrown to the earth, you know, it says that he went off to make war against the people of God. That that the scriptures assume a great spiritual battle, mm-hmm. um, but when you remove that from the Christian life, then um, you have a whole category that's been um, kind of obliterated for most Christians, and they're left to try and wrestle with evil as either something that God desires or intends or is using to discipline them, or is just them. I, I'm, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm the creep. I'm the jerk. You know, it's me, right? And and so, you know, once again, I'm at the cross. Once again, I'm asking forgiveness. But you take away these things. You take away conversational intimacy with God. You take away warfare. You know, um, the, these core categories of the gospel. That's why we don't have a gospel of restoration. That's why we don't. You know, much has been stolen from the church over time and it's that's nothing new you know you read galatians paul is absolutely bewildered you know he's i don't get it he's stumbling through the whole letter to say how how could you have possibly abandoned the gospel that you heard to you know having begun in the spirit he says are you now trying to be perfected by human efforts you know how could these guys be turning back to the levitical law after having experienced Jesus Christ. So it's not new. The the church is constantly losing the gospel. And uh, we're just in an era where what what most Christians understand, you know, they have one, like one-third of one-third of the gospel. They have the cross. They don't have the resurrection or the ascension. And even of all the work that the cross does, they only have a piece of that, and that's pardon, you know. And, uh, and and then they wonder why the Christian life isn't anything like they hoped it would be. Hmm.
1: They either blame themselves or they blame God.
0: That's what it comes down to.
1: Can you unpack a little bit the resurrection and the ascension, those last two-thirds? Can you kind of summarize the core <clears throat> idea of that?
0: Well, Paul does in Romans. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crucial. Um, starting with Romans 5, you know, he begins to explain to us. He says in Romans 5, um, if we have been reconciled, to the Father through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, how much more Hmm. will we be saved by his life? Hmm. Okay, and then a little bit later in 5 of Romans, he goes on to say that those who receive God's gift of righteousness and the abundance of his grace will reign in life through Jesus Christ. And then you go on in chapter 6, and he says these astounding things. He says, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so you too may live a new life. That same power is available to you. And, and so he goes on in, in verse 11 of chapter 6 to say, so consider yourselves dead to sin but alive Light. to God. Yeah. And then Romans 8, 1, right? Um, a, new, a new power is in operation is how Peterson translates mm. it in the message. A new power is in operation, right? That the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, um, I believe that the atonement, I believe the ransom, uh, the purchase of mankind comes through the cross, along with many other things. But um, but the life, you see, you share in his resurrection also, that, that the resurrection of Jesus is as much for the Christian as the cross is. Uh, in fact, it was Willard uh, who mm-hmm. pointed out, right, that yeah. the cross wasn't even used as the symbol of Christianity for the first 300 years, Mm. which is a fairly stunning historical fact. Um, the reason why is that they were absolutely captured by the resurrection. They'd seen thousands of people crucified. Mm. They had witnessed that. That was not something unusual to their culture. Only one of them had come back, (laughs) you know. And so it was the power of a life, an inextinguishable life. It was the power of his life available to us. That's how we participate in the resurrection and then the ascension. Paul says the most astounding thing. At the end of Ephesians 1, he he describes how God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this age but in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and made him to be head over everything. And then listen to this phrase, for the church,
1: Hmm.
0: which is his body the fullness of him who fills yeah. everything in every way in other words the authority that was given to jesus christ is for the benefit of the church and then you go on in chapter 2 of ephesians in verse 6 and paul explains you have been raised with christ and seated with him at the right hand of the father meaning you now participate in you are meant to enjoy and enforce you know the benefits of the authority of jesus and and this can be so immensely helpful yeah. You know, when you are – wherever you are as a Christian, business, home, ministry, enterprise, to to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the authority of Jesus over what you're doing, it's a resource that I just – it breaks my heart that Christians don't know that that's available to them.
1: And those two things, the resurrection and the ascension, for for most of my Christian life, I've just kind of seen those as historical facts that are add-ons to the cross.
0: Exactly. It's an afterwards, right? It's it's kind of post-game wrap-up.
1: Yeah, but there's something really, really powerful and essential there for living the Christian life and walking with God.
0: You go back to Genesis. I mean, you go back to the original design. You know, God gives Adam the earth. He gives him authority over the earth. And Satan was not Created as quote the prince of this world, he mm-hmm. became the prince of this world when Adam abdicated his authority through his sin. Adam handed over the keys, right? So Satan tempts Jesus, you know, in the wilderness by offering him the kingdoms of the world. You know, uh, he's not offering something that wasn't his to give in that mm-hmm. moment. He he was the you know through man's fall, you know, there was an abdication of authority. And, and so the recovery of that, you know, just goes back to, well, what's man's design? I mean, we're meant to be God's regents in the world. We're meant to bring the abundance and the authority and, yes, the holiness and morality and all of it of God's kingdom into our kingdoms uh, and and that through the authority of Jesus. You know, I was just going to add something there,
2: uh, Michael, as well, that, um, you know, w- God's design for us as image bearers—what um, thwarted um, His design from being fulfilled and being realized? Uh, we're quick to say that's sin, um, and Scripture points out how the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the problem we we have we have had as people is, is sin. Uh, The problem's our heart. Our heart doesn't turn to God. Uh, We turn to other gods, other idols, so on and so forth. So the promise of the Old Testament and the anticipation of Christ's coming also include this new covenant where Mm -hmm. we would get a new heart, God's law be written in our heart to be a new spirit. And so one of the benefits as well of the gospel that somehow has gotten lost or doesn't, um, that seems to be assaulted is is actually one of the benefits of the Gospels. We're new creatures in Christ. Yeah. We have new hearts, and and the hope we have is that all that Scripture uh, kind of portrays is our life. We can actually have because I actually can be merciful mm. with a with a pure, a good heart. I can actually love. I'm not I'm not stuck with a depraved heart as a believer in christ mm-hmm. i've been changed and so the life that's described the the life uh that we're to bear as image bears is actually possible mm. to live mm.
1: so this idea of jeremiah seventeen nine, where people reflexively say you know well, I i just have a wicked heart i can't trust myself that's really not true for the believer in christ
0: well it's immensely true before Christ, yeah, no uh, doubt, but I need to point out that that passage is spoken in the old testament and and in the New Testament, I mean, you just think about the redemption of mankind, God knows the heart's the problem, it's, Jesus says it's not what goes into the mouth of man, right, but what comes out of his heart, you know murder, adultery, all of that. Um, God knows the heart's the problem do you Do you think that he would neglect to address? The deep issues yes. of the heart in his yeah. intentions to produce a genuinely holy race of people. You can't. You can't neglect the heart if you want genuine <sighs> holiness. And so, you know, Paul says, for example, in Romans uh, 2, uh, um, that your heart has been circumcised to God. He says a Jew is not a one outwardly. A true Jew is inward. It's a matter of the heart. And his circumcision is, is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. You know, Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower and the seed. Uh, he says, "But the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart." I mean, it's just this sounds like heresy to say these things, but they're deeply, deeply scriptural, and and, and they they make sense as well. You know, uh, Acts chapter fifteen, it says that God purified our hearts by faith. You know, on and on it goes. In fact, you can just you just take the example, just put wicked heart. Yeah, your, put your wicked heart into any of the admonitions given in the new testament right singing and making melodies in your wicked heart to god you know love one another sincerely from your wicked heart You know uh, where your treasure is there your wicked heart will be you know i mean just it's absurd it's, it's it's patently absurd but this is another example of an impoverished gospel crippling people to live the life that they desperately want to live and that the scripture says you can live well you can live it if you've got a new heart
1: yeah I've not heard a whole lot of sermons on the new covenant or the good heart. Craig as a pastor for 30 years at two mega churches, why do you think that is?
2: <laughs> oh, well, I didn't believe it at that. I didn't I mean, this is for 30 years I I preached um a gospel that appealed to people um volitionally to choose believing that if that there was some strength and choice to follow God and to do what's right and to pick uh, love over adultery, so on and so forth. Um, but I never grappled with the reality that throughout the week, all my counseling, um, I, I wasn't addressing the real issue. It's, it's not volitional. It's, it's on the level of the heart that needs to be addressed. I wasn't trained that way in seminary. I wasn't uh, – I was surrounded by pastors who, who uh, commonly believe the heart's wicked and depraved. And, and, and our job is to scold and pressure, manipulate and uh, shame people into some point of guilt where they actually might be motivated to change their lives. And it never
1: lasts. Hmm. Um, So the the gospel of sin management that Willard talks about. Craig, how did that affect you in your own heart as a a pastor, caregiver, minister?
2: Well, early in my life, um, it was disillusioning. Coming out of seminary, I thought I'd change the world, you know, with uh, just my presentation of the gospel, that people would jump at an opportunity to be free and that I had some gift or calling or ability to help them make that leap. Um, then I got distracted by being a part of a mega church and just the whole idea of being a, a part of this massive organization. And I got distracted by just keeping it running. Real change, real transformation wasn't a part of our model. And eventually uh, that had an effect on me. I lost my heart hmm. for a couple of decades. I was just a sin management guy.
1: What did that look like when you lost your heart?
2: Well, to hear what John is talking about in terms of an intimacy with God, to talk about a conversational intimacy with God, to talk about worship where you'd actually fall on your knees and sing and adore him, to be moved to tears by um, people's stories and battles and victories, that was absent, Um, heartless, just kind of flat-lined. not experiencing great joy, nor experiencing great grief, just numb, just dead. Hmm.
1: This all begs a question. How did you get your heart back?
2: Well, you know, um, um, a a quote I've doctored up with my own personal (laughs) thoughts um, are some old church father said, um, don't tell men to go into the woods chop down trees, make lumber, and build ships. Don't do that. Instead, tell them stories of the sea. Hmm. And in telling men stories of the sea, you capture their heart, and guess what they do? They go into the woods, chop down trees, make lumber, build ships. Hmm. And I think John and other voices uh, were men who, through their stories, through their teaching, painted stories of the sea for me. And uh, I moved from... From trying to build ships to desperately wanting the sea and whatever I could do, whatever it would take to get there. So it's it's pictures and images of life, the ocean, freedom, adventure, beauty that were painted to me by John, by other authors that pulled me out of it. Hmm. I wanted to return to the sea.
1: Hmm. And you got your heart back.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what – over time, that's what happened.
1: And here at Ransom Heart, as – you teach this message of the gospel and the good heart and the new covenant. You have what you call the four streams, which are the four different ways that Christ ministered to people. And that's how you you uh, bring people along in holiness. Can you talk about the four streams, John?
0: Yeah. I'm deeply passionate about seeing people walk with God, discover a genuine holiness, find the transformation thereafter. And so I went through a graduate program in counseling, uh, became a counselor, you know, and got in the office with people. And there is nothing like reality <laughs> to show you. Uh, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. It's the simplest, most helpful test I have used ever since. You shall know them by their fruit. You can hold that up to a book, a movement, a philosophy, a methodology of counseling, anything. A person, does this work for heaven's sake? Mm. Does it actually heal the broken heart and set the captive free? Does it produce genuine holiness? Does, it, does real, lasting transformation take place? Okay, so with that search in mind, where we ended up was going back through the Gospels, looking at church history, finding out, okay, so how does God work in people's lives in lasting ways? What well, works? I just want to know what works. And so um, out of that, the four streams, meaning counseling, yes, you see Jesus do that with people. Uh, discipleship, yes, absolutely. Um, but also um, deliverance, um, being set free from, uh, from the evil one in various ways. And then um, inner healing, the, the actual Isaiah 61 uh, m- imagery. Because when Isaiah uses that, by the way, brokenhearted, if you go back through Isaiah, he, it's not a metaphor. Um, He doesn't use that particular Hebrew word metaphorically. He uses it literally. Elsewhere, it's a statue falling on the ground and breaking. It's a branch being broken. Uh, Literal brokenness takes place within human souls. Um, You just have to, you know, talk to someone pushing a shopping cart down the street for five minutes to realize that deep, deep brokenness takes place in the human soul. How does God heal that? That's what I want to know what works how do you really bring lasting change and so that led us into the four streams teaching people how to tap into the ways in which god transforms lives because i'm telling you discipline does not do it there's a place for discipline in the christian life but discipline does not heal people it doesn't transform them it doesn't set them free from from spiritual bondage wickedness that sort of thing for example let me just take a quick example so, you know, someone comes into our office and, and uh, struggling deeply with depression. And, uh, you know, we, we try the conventional means uh, of dealing with that sort of talk therapy uh, combined with Christian discipleship, you know, the truth of the word of God and making sure that they're practicing the spiritual disciplines and, <clears throat> and, and doing what they can to get out of this hole that they're in. It doesn't work. So we pause and ask, well, why? What else is going on here? Well, we find out that, you know, through certain practices in their childhood, they had opened themselves up to dark spirits, uh, that there was spiritual oppression here. And this is actually normative in Scripture. Again, you know, Paul in Ephesians 4, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. He's speaking to Christians, and he's saying, as a Christian, you can give the devil strongholds in your life. Footholds and believe me he'll take them uh, he you know uh, Peter in first Peter five describes him as a ravenous lion looking for those two. he can destroy, not just tempt, destroy and so we suddenly realize that the the stream of discipleship or the stream of counseling is not helping this depressed person. what we actually have in operation here are uh, spiritual bondages, darkness, uh, foul spirits present, and so those need to be dealt with. You know, as Christ teaches us to deal with them, Um, for example, in the wilderness, bringing the truth against it, banishing it, you know, buying the strong man Jesus teaches, then you can plunder his house, those kinds of things. Uh, Colossians one thirteen. God has ransomed us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His Son. So, learning to pray for people and teaching them to pray for themselves to shut down spiritual darkness. All of a sudden, this person's well, hmm. and they're, and they're well, and they haven't been well for ten years, yeah. and and they're telling us, I've been to everybody, I've tried everything, I, you know, and nothing worked. And we real, that's where we began to realize, right? Because you went and you got one stream. You know, you got counseling or, or, or you got discipleship, but you didn't get the fullness of, of, of the four streams uh, that we think are essential for restoring people in a lasting way. One of our core kind of mottos here or passions is irreversible change. Irreversible change. I don't want inspiration. I'm so done with inspiration. I, I used to be that kind of guy and, and used to preach those kinds of messages. Motivation inspiration
1: hmm? for it doesn't
0: last it doesn't last and it's done with a with, with a with a deep sincere heart i mean i thought that that, that would, what would be helpful to people it doesn't work i want irreversible change and so we kind of unpack these things of you know how does god bring inner healing to, to people you know how do you deal with spiritual oppression you know how do you find a genuine discipleship with jesus that's not just you know routine and 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 then what what is you know the counseling ministry of the Holy Spirit look like to us?
2: You know that old saying, Michael, the only tool you have is a hammer, the world looks like a nail. Yeah. And and I mean you just can't approach the complexity of some of our deep personal issues with just one tool. And and you don't see that in the gospels.
0: Right, right. You've been listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. Learn more about how we cultivate freedom and wholeness of heart at restoringthesoul.com.